0: The following message was given at Trinity Bible Church in Powell, Wyoming. Now, i without All right. Well, good afternoon. Uh, today, we're going to look at a familiar passage of the Bible. There are selections of scripture that we have mentally assigned to specific occasions. For example, Isaiah 9, we have uh mentally reserved for Christmas time. Unto you a child is born. Or Luke twenty four six we see as an Easter pastor passage. He is not here. He is risen. How about first Corinthians thirteen? Love never fails. It's a wonderful passage for weddings. The portion of scripture we're going to look at today uh, is often used in a similar fashion Uh, Psalm 23 is often read at funerals. This makes sense because it does describe the Lord's care for us, even in the darkest seasons of life. There's nothing at all wrong with using a passage of Scripture in an obvious context. However, we shouldn't, uh, we shouldn't think of these familiar passages of Scripture as being locked into these settings. Psalm 23 has much to say to us in every situation and every occasion. In fact, whatever circumstances you find yourself in today, uh, Psalm 23, this most blessed of psalms, has something for you. Let's begin by reading Psalm 23. A Psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. This concludes the reading of God's word. May he now bless the preaching of it. Psalm 23 has brought consolation to countless pilgrims as they make their journey through this world. And right off the bat, we can see why. The Lord is my shepherd. Has there ever been a more comforting phrase? Notice that this is Lord with all capital letters. Yahweh. David uses the covenant name of God here. Not the generic Adonai, which would just indicate a Lord. This is the proper name of the one true God first revealed to Moses at the burning bush. The name literally means, I am who I am. It refers to God's timelessness and self-sufficiency. Yahweh does not need anything. He does not need to seek counsel. He is all wise. He does not need to seek an alliance for strength. He is all powerful. He does not even need to be worshipped or helped in any way. He is not accountable to anyone. He is completely self-sufficient in and of Himself. And He is eternally so. This was true of God yesterday. It is true today. And it will be true tomorrow. He is timeless and unchanging which makes the first line of this poem all the more incredible. Do you sense the strangeness of this first line? Now, don't let the familiarity of the passage mask the bizarre metaphor that David uses. Here we see the Almighty Creator likened to a lowly shepherd. Shepherding was an occupation that was despised by most of the ancient Near East, including Israel. If a family needed a shepherd, it was the youngest son who was given the unpleasant assignment, much like David. It was tiring, relentless work. It was not a position of honor, but one of base necessity. Socially speaking, it was not a rewarding job. Living in the wilderness with a bunch of sheep who could do nothing for themselves. Shepherds lived with their flock 24-7. Regardless of the weather or danger, the shepherd was with the sheep, guiding, protecting, and feeding them. A true shepherd would guard the flock even at the cost of his own life. There is no comfort in this world for a sheep. That compares to the presence of their shepherd. The great God of heaven has chosen to condescend to be a shepherd to take care of you and me. It's also worth noting that David says of this shepherd that the Lord is my shepherd. He does not say, The Lord was my shepherd, as if recalling some past event, or even that the Lord will be my shepherd. Both of these statements are true. It's not the point that David is making here. He says the Lord is my shepherd, currently, in this present moment. Psalm 46.1 reminds us that God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. The present tense of this psalm makes it the perfect comfort for whatever struggle you're facing. It can be applied to your life and my life right now in the current circumstances that we are facing. God, the self-existent creator, is here and present right now, right here. The Lord is my shepherd. And we can also see how personal this is for David. He could have truthfully said, The Lord is a shepherd. Or even as Jesus himself said, calling himself the shepherd. Again, both statements are true. But David here chooses to embrace the personal nature of the Lord's care. The Lord is my shepherd. The word me or my occurs 13 times in these six verses. David is highlighting the personal care God shows for each and every one of his people. Have you ever just paused to ponder the personal nature of God? He has chosen to make Himself known to us. But even more than that, He has chosen to dwell among us. He walks among His people. Even more, if you are a Christian, He has chosen to live inside of you. He knows you. He knows you by name. He knows your frailties, your weaknesses. He knows your fears. And He knows that He is the remedy of those fears. And He has promised to never leave you nor forsake you. He will never abandon me. He died for me. Will He now abandon me? Of course not. Having been raised from the dead, defeating sin and death, There is no chance that He will fail us now. This psalm is personal. Feel free to take it for yourself as a personal promise from the Lord. The Lord is my shepherd. The metaphor is astonishing. He is my shepherd. The contrast couldn't be more stark or more stunning. Yahweh, the Almighty Creator, is my shepherd. The Lord of glory has condescended to watch over you and me. It's truly amazing. The King of the universe humbled himself to take on the role of our shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. What does David mean by saying, I shall not want? I want to go hunting this week. Is that wrong of me? Am I uh, somehow not trusting the Lord as my shepherd because I want? Now, of course not. We understand that is not the sense that David is using the word here. He is using this word as a synonym of the word lack. I shall not lack. But what shall I not lack? There are some who have used this line as a defense of a prosperity gospel that we should not lack in a physical sense. They make it seem as if the child of God is not required to endure any difficulty in this life. That understanding is in sharp disparity with the rest of this entire psalm. Psalm 23 is not teaching a health, wealth, prosperity gospel. It is instead showing us that as sheep in the fold of Jesus, he provides all we need in a spiritual sense. There are six areas in which David describes the Lord's care for us as we travel through this broken world. This will be my outline for the rest of this message. As we face these difficulties, we will not lack rest. Life, guidance, safety, provision, and a heavenly home. First, we shall not lack rest. He makes us lie down in green pastures and leads us beside still waters. The image of green pastures is an image of rest. He leads us to a place where it is safe to lie down and rest without fear of enemies. The Lord provides this rest for His people. and He provides it every Lord's Day when we gather as a church. Pastor Doug often talks about the realities of fighting through the week and reaching the Lord's Day weary and in need of rejuvenation and rest. There are many battles in this life. Some struggles within the lives of God's people are obvious, right out in the open. We see them and sympathize with them. We love our fellow sheep and we want to care for them. But there are other struggles that are not obvious. There are people here tonight that have anxiety, that can grind their life to a halt. And I'm not thinking of anyone in particular. But I know that in this room, it's more than likely there are people who face that battle. There are some who have been battling privately with things that they cannot share. The thing they need most is rest. You know, for most of us, resting is not something we're very good at. We want to do something. Much like the rich young man who approached Jesus, teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? Remember, we are legalists by nature. We want a happy little checklist that we can mark off as we go. We want to be say be able to say, Oh my, aren't I sanctified today? It's not out loud in our heart, or In our pride, we feel we ought to be able to do better, to be more than we are. We refuse to rest because we have some notion that we shouldn't need it. Now that is a lie that our legalist nature often prefers in truth. The truth is, we are frail creatures who need rest. But much like sheep, We are easily disturbed and prevented from resting. If you struggle with anxiety or fear in your life, listen up. You know the law says, be anxious for nothing. This psalm tells us how that's possible. When David says, he makes me lie down in green pastures, He is speaking to us of the Lord making provision that's needed for us to be able to rest. The sheep cannot meet these needs on their own. The shepherd must provide us with the remedies we need to lie down and rest. You know, that's why we sing the old hymn, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim. In what? The light of His glory. glory. Similarly, in speaking of still waters, the psalmist conjures up images of peaceful places for us to be refreshed. I have read that it was common for shepherds to dig up a wide space alongside of a stream or river just right so that the water would flow gently into this new pool. This provided the sheep with a means of being refreshed by drinking water in safety. On the one hand, the roaring of the fast-moving river frightens the sheep, and rightly so, they could be swept away by the rushing current. On the other hand, water that is still and not flowing can become stagnant and unhealthy. You see how the sheep rely completely on the shepherd to provide them with the means to be refreshed and safe. The Lord provides rest for his sheep. I shall not lack rest. Secondly, I shall not lack life. Uh, Verse 3, he says that he restores my soul. Literally, he restores my life. I read about another situation in which sheep can get into trouble. Uh, From what I read, the uh, trouble is known by shepherds as a cast sheep. Sometimes a sheep will fall over or lose its balance and roll onto its back far enough that its feet no longer touch the ground. It may then panic and start to struggle, which causes it to roll even farther. Now, this sounds comical, but apparently in this position, gases build up in the body. And it cuts off circulation through the legs. In only a few hours, the sheep can die from this trauma. The only one who can restore the sheep is the shepherd. Now, perhaps this is describing you this afternoon. Maybe you are, spiritually speaking, on your back and helpless. I promise you, on the authority of God's Word, Jesus comes to the helpless and meets the needs of His sheep. Whatever trauma has been inflicted in your life, You can trust that the great shepherd will restore your soul. I shall not lack rest. I shall not lack life. And thirdly, I shall not lack guidance. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Now, it's no secret that sheep are not the brightest animals in the world. In fact, they may be among the dumbest. That's why Isaiah uses sheep as a metaphor for the sinful condition of mankind in Isaiah 53, verse 6. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. Sheep are notoriously known for their tendency to wander and stray away from safety. But our shepherd guides us on right paths ensuring that we stay away from danger. Now, this should not be over-spiritualized as seeing the Holy Spirit directing every movement and decision of our lives. Matthew Henry describes this leading as the Lord's work to instruct me by His Word and direct me by conscience and providence. The Lord leads us In right paths through the guidance of his word. We see this in Psalm 119, verse 105, where the psalmist says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. The Lord directs us by our conscience. We can see this in Proverbs 20, 27. The spirit of man is the lamp of the Lord, searching all his innermost parts. And the Lord directs us by providence, such as the story of Ruth in the Old Testament. She could have come to any field in Bethlehem to glean, but by God's providence, she just so happened to land in the field of Boaz her kinsman redeemer. And by this providence, she met her future husband and was included in the lineage of Jesus himself. I shall not lack rest. I shall not lack life. I shall not lack guidance, and fourthly, I shall not lack safety. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. While our English translations of the Bible say that this is the valley of the shadow of death, the Hebrew does not use the word for death. This verse most certainly is a comfort. In the last hour of a believer's life. But that is not the only application that we can gain from this line. It is literally the valley of deep darkness. And it gives the sense of gloom and dread. Perhaps it would be helpful to give a Wyoming metaphor as an example. Anyone who has spent much time in the local mountains will be familiar with the scenario in which you walk over a hill or a ridge and you find yourself in a dense cover and thick brush of a drainage. We refer to places like this as being buried. I'm not referring to fruit bushes. If you're not familiar, it means it's a place that you're likely to encounter a grizzly bear. The horses are on high alert. Everyone is tense and We start making a little extra noise to announce our presence. Your hand goes a little closer to your sidearm or your bear spray. When a shepherd would lead his sheep off the mountain to graze in the valley for the winter, this exposed the flock to many dangers. There are many places in the valley where predators could be lying in wait to ambush. This is the valley of deep darkness. There are many situations in this life that can be lumped into the category of deep darkness. This life is filled with valleys of shadow. For certain, there are people here tonight who are walking through such a deep valley. There is no greater comfort in life than the realization that whatever trial i am facing i'm not alone and we can be certain that in this season of darkness it is certainly still on the right path of our great shepherd in fact it is every bit as much the right path as the green pastures and quiet waters our shepherd knows his business well. He's not a hireling who will leave us when there is danger. No, Jesus has promised to never leave us nor forsake us. There is never a time in the life of a believer in which the Lord is not walking with us. It is the reality of his presence that makes the season of darkness bearable. Note the change in address when David gets to verse 4. In the first three verses of the psalm, David has been talking to us about the great shepherd. But here, the psalmist turns and speaks directly to the Lord. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. Your Rod and your staff, they comfort me. The Lord's presence is the primary comfort for the Christian. But we must not rely on our feelings to inform us of His presence. It is seeing His rod and staff that brings comfort. I can see the Lord is with me by the tools He is using in my life. The rod and the staff are the tools of the shepherd. The rod is the tool that was directed towards the sheep. It is the tool the shepherd would use to guide the sheep, to rescue them when they fall, and to gently correct them when they leave the path. This is the means that God uses to guide us, to tend us when we are spiritually wounded, to correct us when we sin, these are the ordinary means of grace that God uses in the life of this flock. It is the ministry of the Word on the Lord's Day. It is the work of prayer as we commune with the Lord. It is partaking in the ordinances rightly administered in the setting of a local church. It's fellowship with the people of God. By these regular, unspectacular means God works in the life of the flock, growing us and maturing us. The other tool used by the shepherd is the staff. The staff is a tool for defending the sheep. It's a weapon used to fight off wolves and other predators, other enemies that would try to steal us away. Remember, David was a shepherd. He was familiar with this. He had fought off the lion and the bear to protect his precious sheep. But the Lord's defense of his flock is even more certain than that of the mighty David. Jesus reminds us of this in John 10. This is where he gives himself the title of the great shepherd. In verses 27 through 30, Jesus describes the defense of the flock. is none other than the eternal might of the triune God. These tools, the rod of His grace and the staff of His might, are a great comfort to the flock. I shall not lack safety. Fifthly, I shall not lack provision. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Even when we walk through the valley of deep darkness, the Lord will not neglect to feed his sheep. In the presence of my enemies, yes, there are enemies in this life. The world is against the Christian because the world is against Christ Jesus. But we need not fear. Even when we are within range of the enemy, the great shepherd gives us a banquet at which to feast. No enemy set against us can harm us when the shepherd is nearby. Christ has provided every spiritual blessing, even in this life, while we are surrounded by dangers. In fact, even though we are lowly, dumb sheep, the Lord treats us as part of the royal family. He prepares a banquet for us, He anoints us with oil. Honored guests were often welcomed with oil poured over the head. It represents joy and holiness. And it cannot be a coincidence that David writes about being anointed as a sheep. Remember, David had been a shepherd. He had been called in from the sheep pastor to be anointed as the king and shepherd of Israel. The Lord has anointed every believer as part of the royal priesthood. We have been set apart as a holy nation not by any work we have done. We are just dumb sheep. But Christ has done the work required for us to be brought in and blessed beyond measure. Now my cup overflows with the bounty of the Lord's grace and love. As a result, there is more than enough of God's provision to spill out and bless those around us loving your neighbor is an outworking of God's provision as he works in us changing and conforming us we naturally turn to love our neighbor did you notice that there is not a single command in this entire song not one david's focus is on the greatness and faithfulness of Jesus, our great shepherd. The message of this psalm is to bring us comfort and peace in the knowledge that our God is our shepherd. We tend to look to ourselves to do better, try harder, be more. But David reminds us that we need to transfer confidence from ourselves to Christ. I shall not lack provision. And finally, I shall not lack a heavenly home. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. On this verse, I'd like to read you a quote from Charles Spurgeon, as he's commenting on this. He says, This is a fact as indisputable as it is encouraging. And therefore, a heavenly verily or surely is set as a seal upon it. These twin guardian angels, goodness and mercy, will always be with me at my back and my back, just as when great princes go abroad They must not go unattended. So it is with the believer. Goodness and mercy follow him always, all the days of his life. The black days as well as the bright days. The days of fasting as well as the days of feasting. The days of winter as well as the days of summer. Goodness supplies our needs and mercy blots out our sins. This assurance is granted to every believer, to everyone who trusts in the Lord alone for salvation. And it is an assurance. Not only will these twin guardian angels... You have been listening to a message from Trinity Bible Church in Powell, Wyoming. With us in to see more life. information about Trinity Bible Church but or to support no the ministry, go to tbcwyoming.com. That is tbcwyoming.com. <laughs> My shepherd is leading me on right paths. and I will certainly end up in his house. Jesus tells us in John 8, 35, a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. The assurance is that all who are in Christ have gone from the position of slave to the position of son. In every part of this path through life, the Christian can walk in confident faith because he knows that the end of this path is eternal life with our great shepherd. We are headed for a joyful communion with God that is both eternal and secure. I pray this brings you comfort today. Amen.